0: today's message, Grace to Know God. Last week we started talking about knowing God, having a relationship with your Heavenly Father, with Jesus, with the Holy Ghost, and we said that Rehoboam, he was not a good king in 2 Chronicles 12, 14, but the final verdict on Rehoboam was that he was a bad king. God was not important to him. His heart neither cared nor sought after God and there's been uh, I said this last week I'll say it again this week so you will know we are not seeking God everybody hear me we are not seeking God to get his favor we are not seeking God to get his blessings we are not seeking God to get his healing if you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John Jesus, you know, sometimes the Bible says he healed them all. He didn't say, now wait a minute. I'm going to see a show of hands of any who's who's read the, the Old Testament. I'm going to see a show of hands who's who's been seeking me. He didn't do that, did he? He healed them. No questions asked. He just healed them. My point is this. Sometimes we get caught up in that. If we don't read enough, if we don't pray enough, and just let me verify, we're we're not advocating not to read or not to pray. So don't jump, don't get stupid on me. No, we're not. But what we are saying is, if you are seeking God for those reasons, you're in a ditch. Thank you for that enthusiasm. I do not seek God to get more holy to get more righteous I do not seek God to get more peace to get more uh, favor with him to get his blessings the moment you and I got born again are you listening you got all the favor all the blessings all of the promises all of the goodness of God came on you and inside you that day has never left never never left you that's good news We've been talking about uh, having a relationship with God, and I know there's been times in my life, it's just, have, have you ever just done self-effort, willpower? Bless God, I'm going to pray you know, or to If it kills me. I'm sure God was happy about that. We do, we do we've done that in the past, you know, I'm going to really seek God no matter what, I'm just going to make sure, you know, I'm going to do this, and it's all willpower, and and you can do that for a little while, but then after a while, you just, the willpower fades away, and so you're, you're back to where you started from. And um, so I just talked to God about it. I said, God, you know, we might as well have this talk because you already know how I feel. I mean, you know, sometimes we get so funny with when our walk with God. We think God doesn't know our thoughts. He knew your thought before you thought the thought. So I would think, you know, in the back of my mind, man, praying this day, this week, has just been boring. I'm telling you what, God. I mean, God has been boring to you because it's been really boring to me. You know, I'm reading the Bible. You know, I've re- tried to read the Bible. It's just like black letters on a newspaper. I mean, it's just, not, I'm not getting anything from it. You say, you, you you talk that way to God? You Yeah, and you should too. If, if you're thinking that, He knows that just, In case you didn't know that, he knows that. So I say, God, I I just, I know that's not the way that it should be. It should not be that way. Would you agree? So I'm asking you for your help. And so we're going to talk today about grace to know God. There is grace in every area of your life. But I did not realize that God, he says, Mike, I've got grace for you to even seek me. To know me, to worship me, to read the word. There's grace for me, for even having a desire to read the word, to pray. There's grace for all of that. I go, sign me up. And so in Psalms chapter 10 verse 17, it says, Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble. So what was I doing? I was being humble before God. I was saying, God, you know, I don't really have a great desire to seek you. That is being humble before God. And then it says, you will prepare their heart. Who's going to prepare their heart? God. The you is God there. God will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. So God says, I'm going to prepare your heart, and I'm going to prepare my ear to hear what you're going to say to me. I think that's awesome. God wants me to have help in seeking him. I need help. How about you? I need help seeking God. I need help in having a relationship with God. God says, I got grace for that. That's good news. Because there's been so many times that, you know, we just think, well, I I can do this. I don't really need help in that area, Pastor. I'm a pretty spiritual guy. And so, uh, I'll just say that I don't know who quoted this, but this is a great quote. It says, we won't come to the revelation of grace till we come to the end of ourselves I'm going to say it again that's a good quote I didn't come up with that but I wrote it down we won't come to the revelation of grace I mean no grace is a revelation people I used to say yeah I know about grace but I didn't have a revelation of grace and you won't come to the revelation of grace till you come to the end of yourself you know what I mean by that. You know, sometimes we think in our gifting, you may be gifted in a certain area, which was given by God, by the way. And you say, well, you know, in my gifting, I, I really don't need help from you. in that we don't say that, but we act that way. Well, when you and I do that, we turn off the spigot of grace for, for, to get help in that area. Because there's grace flowing all over you, in you, 24-7, all the time. God's not turning off any grace. He's not withholding grace from you. And so there's no, you don't ever have to beg God, give me more grace, please. Why are you, so you think he's withholding it. He's not. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Colossians 2 says this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive Jesus? By faith, but it was because of grace. Says Paul says, it's by grace that you're saved. Don't let anybody boast in their works. It's because of the grace of God. So we got born again by the grace of God. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord by this grace, so walk in him. In other words, have your daily lives the same way that you had when you received Jesus. You received Jesus by grace. Most Christians take the grace to get saved, to get born into the kingdom of God, and then we think we don't need the grace afterwards. But he's saying afterwards, you should keep walking in the same grace you you received when you got born again. It's grace before Jesus. It's grace after Jesus. It's grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. In other words, he says, I set my face like a flint toward you, Father. But before he said that, he says, God's going to help me. So every day, I just thank God that he's helping me to have a relationship, to think about him. To meditate upon the, the word, to think about Jesus, how much he loves me, how good he is, that he is the most awesome father that ever was or ever could be. He's the father of all fathers. Jeremiah ten twenty three says, Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So this is the Kentucky version of this. Man ain't smart enough to know what to do with his life. So you need help. You need help. You need help with your life. I need help with my life. And God says, I can give you all the help you need. Humility is a main ingredient in preparing our heart for God so he can flow in your life. So he can help you. I need help, God. In every area of my life. And one of the areas I need help with is just seeking him. Having a desire for God. Oh, this is so good. Amen. Psalms 10:4 says, In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. There's been times in my life I just don't think about God because there's no room for him because I got all of my stuff inside. But it's humility that says, I need help. God wants to help you and he wants you to know that he's available 24/7 and he wants to help you. There's grace for help in seeking God. John 15:2 was a scripture that troubled me for a long long time. Like most of my life. Amen. John 15:2 says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I don't know about you, but does that sound like good news? Does that sound like we ought to be a little bit fearful? He didn't say takes you out to McDonald's. He says takes you away, which I, I don't think we're going to McDonald's on that scripture. I shouldn't have said McDonald's. How about Red Lobster? That sounds a little better. He's not going to take you to Cactus Flower, an hour talking. But anyway, he's not going to take you. Uh, that sounds like he's going to take you away. It's, it's, that's not something I want to sign up for. Does that sound like a good thing? He says, In every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. But if you're not bearing fruit, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So I looked that up in the Greek. And this is a mistake in the King James Bible. But that scripture, that word takes away, you can look it up in your Strong's Concordance. Not a dictionary, but a Strong's Concordance. This is what that definition means in the Greek take away. It means the word is aerial, and it means to raise up, elevate, lift up, to raise from the ground, or take up. Now that's a lot different than taking it away. Wouldn't you agree? Lifts up, li- elevate, yeah, Melody's planted some uh, blackberries and uh, vines and raspberries. We have a, I mean, they're just going bananas. They're good. Aren't they, Benny? I mean, they're so, they just fall off the line. They're, they're, and there are tons of them. But she, we were walking around there the other morning, and, and there were a big bunch of them laying on the ground because the vines are just going out of the box, out of the, they're just going crazy. And so there was laying, and some of them were turning brown and everything. So this is what she did. She lifted that up and put it around the trellis so it could get off the ground. <clears throat> you didn't hear me. I said she lifted it up Amen. because she didn't want the fruit to get rotten and the blackberries to get rotten. Why? Because the vine itself could not lift itself up there. You could talk to that vine. Get yourself up off that ground right now. Get up. I said get up. You know, Just get yourself up and just come on. You no, she didn't even ask it. or She just said, here, let me do this. I'll just stick you around there. Now let's read John fifteen two Again, John fifteen two says this. For every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will elevate it and lift it up. Yes. Woo! God's going to lift it up when it can't be lifted up. I'm just so down. I just can't bear fruit. I'm just so miserable. I just don't. God says, let me lift you up. He says he will lift you up and every branch that bears fruit. He will prune and that may bear more fruit. God wants to lift you up. But this is a problem. The church doesn't think God wants to do that. The church thinks that, well, you just need to seek God. You need to press in. This is such a spiritual thing. You need to press in more, honey. And I'm not belittling that. But yes, I am, because you, you could, you, there's so much self-effort in us even seeking God. And then when we, we tell people, yeah, I've been really seeking God, man, i tell you what. In reality, we want to just go, chapat, chapat, chapat. It's more about us than it is Jesus. Uh, this is the gospel. It's been Jesus. It's always been about Jesus, and it always will be about Jesus. It ain't about you and me. That's great revelation right there. John 15, 2. Takes away. So anyway, I looked this up. That Greek word, Ariel. I've got this computer software that will do this. For other places in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically. To see how the King James people translated it. And I'm amazed. John eleven forty one. 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted it up. Ariel. His eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Well, right there, they said, lift it up. Same, same, same Greek word. I said the same Greek word. Yes. Acts four twenty four. And when they heard that they aerial their voice to God, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, thou hast made heaven and earth and sea, and all that them is. Same Greek word. But they said, they translated, lifted up. Luke 17, 13, and they lifted up Ariel, their voices, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Same word, but they put in that translation, lifted up. Revelation 10, 5, last one, and the angel cell, standing upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up Ariel, his hand, to heaven. Lifted up. I challenge you, anytime that you're reading the word of God, if it appears that God is against you, that he's bad, or man, he's just out to take a nine iron and clip you up inside the head, you need to dig a little bit deeper. Because God is nothing but good. If you, if you come to our Wednesday night service, you'll find out last Wednesday we started talking about the law, you know, and I know, I've, I've even jumped on this bandwagon where, you know, I tell you what, if our government, they don't start doing right, God's going to just pour his wrath out upon them, and, you know, we've mistreated Israel, so that's why the, uh, the hurricane came and flooded, uh, or was it, Texas, is it Texas, Louisiana, Louisiana, you remember that whole thing in Louisiana? Yeah, that was God getting us because we we mistreated Israel. Can I just give you a wake-up call? If you came to our Wednesday night service, God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. And the next time that the world will see his wrath is when we're gone. The only wrath you and I are ever going to experience as far as the wrath of God is looking back at the cross and saying, I was crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, therefore I live. Yet it's not I that liveth, it is Christ in me. That was the wrath that was poured out. All of the wrath of the God was poured out upon Jesus. So don't, don't say, you know, so and so, I mean, they don't do right, they're doing right. God's going to get them. He's already got everything by putting it on Jesus. Okay, moving on to John chapter 20. We're all wanting a relationship with God, I believe. But I know in the past, it seems like it's easy to fall into our flesh, the sense realm, to have a relationship with God. You know, if, you, if you've ever been in meetings, you know, we've been in church most of our lives. And so we've been in, we've been in some wild and crazy meetings where you see things happen and, and stuff happens. Amen. Manifestations and stuff. And, and I think that's all good. But you can get trapped into that and thinking that that's the way that we should have a relationship with God. God, I want to feel you. I want to see you. I want to see an angel. I want to do this. And it's we base a lot of stuff on taste, touch, feeling. And so this scripture in John chapter twenty, verse twenty-seven, Jesus was raised from the dead. All the disciples, you know, were talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. But Thomas goes, "I don't believe he's raised from the dead." Matter of fact, I'm not going to believe it until I can put my fingers in his. Side And I can see the nail prints. I'm just not going to believe it. So, Jesus shows up, appears right in the room. I mean, boom. I mean, he just appears right in the room with all the disciples. So, he says to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. I think this is really neat how Jesus is. Even when we are the biggest doubter on the planet, God will love you so much and say, I know you're struggling with doubt, but I'm going to help you here. So he appears for me and says, this is, I'm not going to pull up my shirt, but this is my side. The muscles will just overwhelm you. But anyway... <laughs> I expect him to laugh. I don't expect you to laugh. I'm going preach on this side. I can't get no help on this side either. But anyway. He says, look, put your hand on my side. Look at my mouth. And so Thomas responds. And he says, my Lord and my God. He knew. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 23 or twenty. 9. Jesus said to him, "Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed." Let me ask you a question. Where's the greater blessing? In seeing or not seeing? I thought I just get tickled about that. It just makes me feel good. I just thought, "Whoa." Because you know, we want to see stuff. Lord, show me. Give me a sign. I want a sign. I want a sign. Signs, signs, everywhere a sign. I want a sign. And we don't realize it, but we're jumping in the same boat with Thomas. We are jumping in. The, and God says, blessed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So if I don't feel God's love, you've ever not felt like, I mean, there's sometimes I feel like uh, 150 pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. I think God is nowhere around. That's the way I feel. But this is why God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So it doesn't matter how I feel, what's going on in my life, what I have done, God is with me. If you believe that, you know, God doesn't... He's not just with you when you're in church. He's with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you, you... Your feet go, God's feet goes. He's with you all the time, no matter what. And if you believe that, if you believe that, you are blessed. Man. Jude 20, 21. There's only one chapter in Jude. This is a popular scripture. I heard this ever since Bible school, and it's a great scripture. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And so, praying in tongues. We've, we're taught that if you want to just build yourself up, you can just pray in tongues. And that's truth, there's, that's a fact. But that's not the end of that scripture, there's a comma. But I don't know about you, I've never, every just about message to my knowledge that has been preached, they stop right there. They stop right there. But that's not the end of that thought. Verse 21 says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So, let's back up to the beginning. It says, if you want to build yourself up, if you want to build yourself up, one of the main things you need to do is to keep yourself, who? You. Do the keeping of yourself in how much God loves you. Whoa, man. That takes faith because you do things, I do things that we think God can't love us. You know, you do something stupid. You just flat out sin. I mean, it's not grace sin. I mean, you think, well, it's not that bad. No, it's sin. And you think, oh, I don't know how God can love me. This scripture says you need to build yourself up. And the way to build yourself up, by faith. That's where faith really, i tell you what, it is stretch your faith. When you really mess up, it stretches your faith to think, God loves me. Right now, right now right now the Bible says even before you were a sinner I mean before you were saved while you were yet sinners Jesus died for you that's called love 101 so keep yourselves in the love of God you are the one who's supposed to do that you and I need to remind ourselves really on a daily basis that God loves me God loves me God loves me God loves me and it's not based on your performance or my performance He loves you no matter what's going on in your life. Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ. We're going through Galatians, by the way, in Wednesdays. It's really good. It's it's Paul just, he's just really getting on to these people because they're they're living by the law. Or they're living by self-effort. Which a lot of Christians, I could probably say most Christians their relationship with God is self-effort. Jesus don't like that. Your effort. Your effort. Cannot pay for anything that God has already provided for. For in. Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. I was taught this, and I believe this, that faith works by love. In other words, our love walk towards one another. If I treat you good, if I treat you how Jesus would treat you, it causes my faith to work. Faith works by love. I believe that but I think there's something greater than that that we've missed because of what just Jesus has been showing me about his love. It's not our love, it's God's love. Faith works by God's love, not my love. And it makes more sense to be honest with you because if I know how much God loves me, it's gonna be a lot easier for me to believe that God wants me well. It's going to be a lot easier that God has met all of my needs. He doesn't want me to go hungry. He doesn't want me to do without. Why? Because He loves you. Why do you think that way towards your kids? Just like any parent wants the best for them. No matter what's going on in their life, He wants, the best. He wants them to be healthy and whole. He wants their needs to be provided for. Any good parent, but any good parent wants their kids to be healthy and whole. Can I get a better Amen. But yet somewhere are the line, we get a hold of God and we think he doesn't want that. And the Bible says he's the greatest father in all. Somebody has taught us wrong. Somebody put something besides Kool-Aid in the water we've been drinking or something. I don't know, but we don't believe that. God wants what's best for us. And if we understand how much he loves us, It's going to be easier listen to me now it's going to be easier if you have a greater revelation of how much God loves you to receive healing that he's already provided for you 2,000 years ago now listen if you're struggling in that and I have in the past before you really the devil will jump on your bandwagon and try to make you feel condemned God I just didn't get he's talking about healing but I just don't get it I don't get it I don't get it man don't get condemned don't even feel bad I tell you what And then people say, well, should I go to the doctor? If you ask me that, you better be going to the doctor. Doctors have kept people alive. Lots of Christians are alive today because of doctors. They're on the same team. God wants you well, bottom line. God wants you healed, bottom line. God wants you whole, bottom line. Take that to the bank, man. I mean, God wants me well. And listen... The more we understand that how much he loves us, the more you'll be able to say, man, it's easy for me to receive healing from God because he loves me so much. There's not a parent that wants their kids suffering. Jesus wants you well, greater than you do, greater than yourself. That's why he gave his only begotten son that stripes would be placed upon his back. Galatians 3.13, he bore the curse so that you could be free from the curse. Why? He doesn't want to see his kids suffering. So he says, I'm going to take care of that. God has taken care of that 2,000 years ago. The more we have a revelation of that love, I'll go on to say this. If there is a faith deficiency in your life, you probably have a lack of love. A revelation of that lack of love, I should say. Of how much God loves you. It went over just like that the first service. (laughs) Got real quiet. If your faith is lacking... I know Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And, you know, and the Bible talks about confession and speak forth confession and release in your faith. And that is 100% true. But I believe that if you have a revelation of how much God loves you, I'm telling you what, when it's gonna be easy for things to come out of your mouth that God wants you well. Why? Because you know God loves you so much. Amen. I truly believe that the church including this guy right here has missed it in my past don't fall out of your chair you know just seeing people i tell you what you people we we need to live right we're not living right we just need to do right you know and we need to press in and i tell you what we need just to stay away from sin and and we need to be holy and you we do and everybody would go amen that's right pastor we're missing it Let's god let's live holy let's be righteous and it sounds so good and so religious. And yet, all of those sermons, people still struggle in sin. I believe if we have a revelation of how much God loves us. That is the greatest revelation that you and I can embrace, number one. It should be the number one thing in our life that we ask God for help. It should be the number one thing in our life, even, I know you're going to fall out of your chair on this, and even above trying to live right. Just breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Why? Why? because your self-effort will only take you so far in trying to live right but if you have a revelation of how much God loves you honey it's easy It is easy. You will realize that sin is beneath your feet because of the love of God has elevated you far above every power, every principality, every power, every might that is named. You have been seated in heavenly places because of the love of God. Sin is below you and has no dominion over you. Now you tell me which revelation is going to be greater. You stop sinning. You stop doing this. You stop. You stop. Who's the emphasis on when we talk like that? Who? Who? God loves me. He's taking care of me. He's sitting me up on high. He loves me so much. Who's the emphasis on when we talk like that? Woo, God. How many think that God can do a lot better with your life than what you can do better with your life? Come on now, church. It's time we get a revelation that God loves me and he's seated me in heavenly places. And I am so much his favorite child that he loves me so much. His picture of me is on his refrigerator. Now, if you don't know that, on our on our refrigerator, we, it's covered in pictures. Pe- people give us a picture, and we, we put, put you on our refrigerator. I don't know if I should say that or not, honey. We're going to get pictures now. But anyway, Clint was bragging to Danielle and Nathan because, you know, if you know Clint, he says, I counted. There's three pictures of me and two of you all. I'm just saying. So we've had to correct that. But anyway... I, There's pictures of people we love and are special and and, and important in our life. There's pictures all over the refrigerator. So I believe there's a picture of me on God's refrigerator up in heaven. I know there's no refrigerators in heaven, but he's just got one just so he can look at my picture. (laughs) You say, well, you think you're something? Yes, because of Jesus, he has made me something because of him. And you need to start thinking that way. And when you start thinking that way of how much God loves you, sin will just start losing its chains that's been wrapping around you. Ain't no chain going to hold me down. Why? Because the love of God has set me free. He set me free. He set me free. Sin is no. He has nothing on me. Not only sin, anything that's connected from the pit can't touch me. Sickness and poverty and lack. Read Deuteronomy chapter 28. All of that curse, man. When you find out how much God loves you, in Ephesians, we talked about this last week, in Ephesians 3, 17, 18, it talks about that you and I may know the love of Christ. And this kind of always stumped me. It says that you may know the height and the depth. And I thought, why are those two in there? I mean, the height, you know, it just should be the height. And why is it the depth? In the you know how wide it is and how long it is, which tells me more than one thing. But one thing is that God's love is not just on a flat surface, on a flat plane. When people say they know God, it's two dimensional. But when you, God wants you to experience His love, experience it means you know it's it is so real. It's not one dimensional. It's 3D. And so why does it say the height and the depth of his love? I, I, that stumped me. And then I realized that there's people that, you know, they've had eight wives and they've had 12 abortions. And they've, they've done so much wrong in their life that they don't think that God can love them. You know? It's easy, easier. It seems like for people that you know, you've been pretty good all your life, and you even hear Christians say that. You are not Christians, people in the world. You think you're going to heaven? Well, yeah, I, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, done, you know, I haven't done any. I'm pretty good. I think I'm going to go to heaven. You know, you can just um. Well, you're going to go straight to hell. Who wants to be the best sinner in hell? And that's basically what you're saying. Honey, it's not based on our performance, our works, or anything we have done, can do, or will do. It's based upon Jesus that you get to go to heaven. It's Jesus. It's Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon. I'm going to sing a song. Jesus at supper time. It's Jesus. It's all about him. And so when people think, and the devil will talk to him and say, you, you've done so much wrong. And you, do, you, are the, you are under the barrel. You're not the bottom of the barrel. You're under the barrel. You've done so many wicked things. And you, you know, if anybody finds out half the things you've done, you have zero friends. And God is not going to be one. This is what God is saying. That you and I need to know not only the height of his love, you need to know the depth of his love. What does that mean? There is no bottom. There is nothing anybody can go. You cannot go lower than what his love cannot undergird you and lift you up. That's powerful. You start talking like that, the devil has no more. He doesn't have a foot to stand on because then, you know, he can't say, well, well, you're, you're a really bad person, though. Yeah. And God's love lifted me up. Yes. It can go to the depths. It can go to the depths. So you and I need to get a hold of it. I truly believe with all of my heart that if we have an understanding and revelation of the love of God, you're going to see more victory in your life than you've ever seen before. Yes. I was doing a premarital counseling uh, with a couple. And it just came out of my mouth. I said, the number one thing, if you want to have a great marriage, this is the number one thing. I said, just just one thing. They perked up. I said, you need to get a revelation of how much God loves you. And doesn't that sound so superficial, so, oh, okay, oh, oh. So I stopped and I go, no, you need to get a revelation. Because I said, I pointed to the man. I said, if you know how much God loves you, it's going to be easy to love her when she's not very loving. (laughs) The Bible says it's easy to love when, you know, know, she brings me breakfast in bed and slippers on my feet and and sings to me. (laughs) It's easy to love somebody like that, but man, oh man, oh man, oh man, when when things aren't good. The toast is burnt. I mean, I mean things happen, and it, it takes a little bit more self-effort, which usually doesn't go very far, self-effort. But there is the love of God inside of you that can reach out and love through you in the worst situation. No matter how bad you're getting treated. You can be just like Jesus being nailed on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the love of God. And the good news is it's in us. That love is in you and me. And so I told this couple, I said, if you really want to have the greatest marriage, you find out how much God loves you, you will treat her like the queen of Sheba. I mean, she will be floating on your air no matter what's going on in your life. And you will honor and respect him. He will be the greatest knight in shiny armor riding on a horse. I'm telling you, he will be the man. He will be the man. But you won't be able to treat him like that if you don't know how much God loves you. You won't be able to treat your spouse, your friends, your relationships, your kids, or anybody else. You will not be able to treat them the way that they should be treated if you don't have a revelation of how much God loves you. And the good news is, he'll help you. He'll help you to see this. He'll lift up your head when it's hanging down. When you feel like you can't bear fruit, he'll say, I'll lift you up and I'll put you in high places. And you will know how much I love you just because I'm telling you, God loves us. He loves you so much. You will, you know, you don't, you know, we won't have to be announcing about PowerPoint. We'll have 40 people wanting to do it, you know. And it's not because you just want to do it because, you know, the pastor needs it and I should be doing it. You go, man, anything I want to do. I I, I mean, I want to do it for you, God. Why? Not because you can. I had one person a long time ago, bless their heart, they wanted to clean the bathrooms because, you know, I just, I'm trying to get in good with God, you know. I stopped them, flat, cold turkey, I said. (laughs) No bathroom clean is going to get you in good with God. I don't care if there's diarrhea coming from it. You ain't going to be able to clean that much to get in good with God. I can get my point across. I said, it's Jesus that gets you in good with God. Not doing PowerPoint or anything like that. But this is the difference. When you find out how much God loves you, you go, man, I just want to, ooh, I, I want to do something. For, I, just want, I just want to love God. And I can do that by cutting grass or doing everything. I just want to, just, I love God. That's why, when I start loving her, I just want, let me do the dishes. I don't do the dishes. So she thinks that I, i'm having to prove myself i do it because i love her are you out there you see the difference we shouldn't be doing things works for god to get him to love us no i do i do stuff because I, oh man he loves me so much yes. he's given me everything that pertains to life and to godliness second peter i've been praying this for you i'll pray this for my my blood family but I've been praying this for my church family Ephesians 3 you ought to pray this as well Ephesians 3 16 through 20 that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know how much God loves you